0: Last week, we went to see my granddad, Corabel Tommy and Talitha's great granddad. He's 96 years old. He's the oldest in the care home uh, where he stays. And here's the comment from the carer. He just keeps going. 96 years old. He just keeps going. A A few people like that in life, aren't there? Ryan Giggs. He just keeps going as a player forever. Now as a manager. I was listening to uh, Radio 2 the other day, shows my age. Moira Stewart is reading the news. Moira Stewart, she just keeps going. Lo and behold, not long after, Cliff Richard is banging out new songs. He just keeps going. You see, here's Daniel. Daniel just keeps going every children's bible every picture you see picture daniel like like this have a look there he is he's young fresh face he's a young lad it's wrong you couldn't get further from the truth do you know how old daniel is he's around 75 80 years old when this happens you see chapter 1 verse 21 And daniel remained there until the first year of king cyrus he's been in exile since 605 king cyrus came on the throne 539 so daniel's been there or he will be there potentially 66 years and here we have daniel's journey towards the end of his life darius is now king Remember the end of chapter 5? That very night, verse 30, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Here's Darius. And here's one of the first things that he does. He appoints 120 governors to oversee his land. Then he forms a little cabinet of three. And Daniel's one of those... Gents, and you see, Daniel isn't just hanging in there. Daniel's excelling in exile. Look at verse three. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Look at Daniel. Look at his competence. He's still holding himself high. He's still being diligent. He's still making an impact in the country that is taken over his. He's in exile. He's still giving it his all. Wow, Daniel. What a guy. We see his competence. But then look in verse 4. We see a character. His trust worthy. He's not corrupt. He's not negligent. You see, because of Daniel's competence and character, he was a hated man. Desperate to remove him from office. Yet no charge would stick. 120 plus two against this one man. But he's exemplary in every way and so in verse 5 we see there's exasperation we will never find any basis for charges against this man daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his god so it's on that basis the law of daniel's god it's on that basis that the satraps and the other governors so desperate are they to get rid of him it's on that basis they do the dirty they go to the king in verse 6 and there's nothing new under the sun here they went as a group safety in numbers apparently there's now 80 conservative mps to sign the petition to block the checkers plan from brexit going through safety in numbers may king darius live forever now flattery and smarm. And then verse 7, look, the royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, governors, they've, we've all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, should be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree. And put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So, King Darius put the decree in writing. And here's what the the Medes and the Persians are famous for. They're famous for their laws. Detailed and deliberate. They're followed through to the letter. That was their operating system. Nothing could be revoked that the king put into writing. Why? Why, O oh king Darius? Why <laughs> such a law? And we can only speculate, but my guess is we can easily empathise. Only speculate, but I guess we can easily empathise. Perhaps it was pre- pressure to please. empathise with that? 120 plus two against him? Sorry, that was Daniel. But here's the king saying there's 120 people and there's only one who's not coming to me uh, with this law. Or perhaps a desire to be worshipped, that in the next 30 days, not one of the God of human will be prayed to, but to you. I grew up not really listening to stone roses but there's one song I want to be adored I wanna I wanna I wanna be adored perhaps it was that there was the final nail and King Darius gave in here's the stark contrast contrast of Darius and Daniel we see the steadfastness of daniel seeking only to honor his god against the flippant response for the approval and praise of man hey before we get in well we're in aren't we of course what drives you just as an intro what's driving you to live perhaps this is a warning perhaps it's a reminder perhaps it's a challenge for you today for me today The steadfastness of daniel seeking only to honor his god or the flippant response for the approval and praise of man two things that we must pick up from daniel chapter six here's the first thing delivered unto death because of faithfulness let's pick up the story in verse 10 now when daniel learned that the decree had been published he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Daniel hears the law. What does Daniel do? Guess what? There's no change. Because he's steadfast. What does he do? He prays. Where? In the same place, in his upstairs room. And he has been doing that three times a day. He prays in the same way towards Jerusalem, on his knees. He's still in exile. He's hoping for the day of deliverance. And it is the same prayer. He gives thanks to God. He gives thanks to God. God, see, Daniel is not wavered. And we find out later because he had trusted in his God. I was 10 years old when my father came back from a walking holiday. Every year he went away with some of his friends. And my mum let him out of the house for a week. And off he went up to the highlands of Scotland. I remember one year he came back. The most remarkable thing had happened so sad in senses the pastor of the church then some couples went and the pastor and his wife went on the walking holiday too and his wife on the mountain she died of a heart attack and after the coroner had come and the body was taken away and as part of the walking holiday the men Uh, and uh, one or two of the ladies who were there then they would always get together and do devotions every evening and pray Uh, and after the pastor uh, had seen the coroner and the body had been taken away he entered the room where people were praying and people were reading the bible and here was his first words and i'll always remember it as my father came back to tell me the story the pastor said god is good first Words. I'll never forget my father telling me those words. You see, what a wonderful challenge. Daniel and the pastor, his eyes so firmly fixed on God and not on himself or circumstance. That's why he's able to thank God first. Please don't hear me say, that to petition or cry out to God is a bad thing. Don't hear me say that. But here's the challenge, is it the first thing? And do you know as elders over the last nine months, we know of our struggles as a church. The ridicule at work for being a Christian. Why won't they stop God? The pain of losing loved ones. Why have you taken them, God? The uncertainty of being out of work. Please provide, God. The desperation of the potential prospect of not having children. Why, God? The helplessness of a child in critical care in hospital. Please, God. The sleepless nights of soothing little ones. God, will it ever end? The desire to be married. God, why won't you provide? The fears of an uncertain future. Why aren't you clear, God? The list could go on. That's amongst us, 50 or so of us. The list could easily go on. Here is Daniel. He faces certain death. He will be ripped from limb to limb. And do you know, oddly, well, perhaps not oddly, perhaps for a very good reason, we don't hear a word from Daniel until he's been delivered. We just know he, like always, prayed. Can I ask you where are your eyes today? Where's your focus today? Are they on yourself or on God? I have to look in the mirror and ask me the same question. I have to ask myself. I remember learning one or two things from Bible college, but this little poem I'll always remember. Oh, to be saved from myself, dear Lord. Oh, to be lost in thee. Oh, that it would be no more I, but Christ. That reigns in me. Daniel is written in such a clever way. You know, Daniel 1 is the introduction. Daniel 2 and 7 go together. Daniel 3 and 6 go together. Daniel 4 and 5 go together. They mirror each other. And so think back to Daniel 3. Daniel 3 and 6 go together. Remember the story? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember thrown into the fiery furnace. They're meant to mirror each other, chapters 3 and 6, but there's a little difference so that you and I will pick up, sit up, and pay certain attention. And here's the difference. Remember the king at the time, Nebuchadnezzar, bowed down to the golden statue? No. No. Said the three. No, we're not going to. Look at Daniel 6. Don't pray to any other God. What does Daniel do? He prays to his God. He prays to his God. And Daniel 3 and 6 are meant to, me to, sh- are meant to show me, where will I falter? Because the boys and Daniel didn't. Where are sins of commission? Do you know, perhaps it's easier for us not to do those things that we're encouraged to do. You know, there's things in society we're told, do this, do this. And, and, and we say, no, we're not going to do them. Perhaps being a Christian is easier to do that. Not to commit sins of commission. But what about sins of omission? Where we don't do things that we know we should. I wonder if I could be accused of that. You see, Daniel, he has been faithful. Praying and reading and praying and reading. Huge challenge for me. Maybe easy to say no to the things that I know I shouldn't, but a lot harder not to do the things that I know I should do. I wonder how many of us could be accused of not committing sins of omission. My guess is not many, certainly not me, not doing the things that we know we should. Huge challenge to me as I read. Daniel 6. Let's go. The story goes on. Your majesty, look at the satraps again. When the king heard this, verses 14, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. And verse 16, so the king gave the order. They brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that daniel's situation might not be changed daniel given over to death because of his faithfulness and here's the second point look here we go rescued from death because of his righteousness We don't even know how Daniel got on that night. The focus is not on Daniel. The focus is on King Darius. There's no mention of Daniel. It's Darius who could not sleep. If Darius couldn't sleep, can you imagine how Daniel felt? See, the last thing we heard from King Darius was, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. Here's the plea from King Darius. May He rescue you because I have failed to rescue you. I could not. Now picture Daniel that night. Perhaps this picture depicts it far better than the others. Raging lions, and yet don't go close to him. It's not that the lions weren't hungry. They're famished, that's how they're kept. So that they devour anything that's thrown into the pit in the moment. It's not like they weren't hungry. One fifty-two a.m. I'll never forget it. On a recent trip, see my brother in Tanzania a few months ago. I went on a little safari, stayed in a, a small banda uh, that had wire meshing as windows. One fifty-two a.m. The roar of a lion. Bolt upright. Switch my watch on. The lion. Kerry said, put your watch off. Put the light off. He'll see it. He'll get us. <laughs> Fear struck. Just the roar of a lion. Daniel is thrown into a pit of lions. Don't miss this. Don't look at it. From a children's perspective and the cute little lions as daniel stroking their heads my fear in a lion look at verse 19 let's carry on at the first light of dawn the king got up and hurried to the lion's den and when he came near the den he called to daniel in anguished voice daniel serve to the living god has your god whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions daniel answered may the king live forever my God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight nor have I ever done any wrong before you your majesty look at that why have the lions not hurt Daniel yes their mouths have been shut yes they have but look verse 22 because he was found innocent in God's sight And it repeats itself, nor have I done any wrong before you. And then the author later on in verse 23. The king was overjoyed, gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Why is Daniel saved? Because he's found righteous. Here's the climax of the story. Righteousness in the sight of God because he trusted in God and lived out a life that glorified God. And here's the key to reading Old Testament stories, narratives like Daniel. Daniel fits into the big story of the Bible. And you know, in every story, whispers the name of the Lord Jesus. There is so much for us to learn and see and challenge us from the life of Daniel. But we're not meant to read Daniel to look for his character qualities, courage, obedience, trust, and try and imitate them. We're not meant to read Daniel to look for values of honesty, perseverance, diligence. We're not meant to read Daniel to be like Daniel. All those things might help. They might help. But here's how we're supposed to read Daniel. He typifies the perfect righteousness of Christ. And then he also exemplifies persevering righteousness for us. Look at the similarities between him and Jesus. They were both delivered unto death because of faithfulness. A trap set for them. Delivered by the one who, Delivered unto uh, the trap by one of his own. Think of Judas, Pilate like Darius. He chose to please the crowd. Jesus, an innocent man, sentenced to death. Jesus prayed earnestly to his God. Jesus was rescued from death because of righteousness. Because he was a right man. Hebrews 5, verse 7 to 10, it will appear there. This is when we must read Daniel through the New Testament lens. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey. Where do I fit in? You see where my righteousness comes, where your righteousness comes? It's not from what you do, but it's, it comes from what he's done. It's not how good we are, but it's how good he was. Later in Hebrews 11, the writer talks about faith of Old Testament men and women. Look at Daniel. Verse 32, and what more shall I say? I do you not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson and Jephthah? About David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised. Who shut the mouths of lions. See what the author is recording. Daniel's persevering righteousness. His faith in God. Look at chapter 12 of Hebrews. Verse 1, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you see it? The writer of Hebrews is saying, See, look back, look back at Old Testament men and women, look at their persevering faith and see where it ends. It ends in the Lord Jesus. See today our righteousness in Christ Jesus, the one perfect who died in place of sinful me. Now Daniel 6 is asking the question of me. Will I endure in my trust of him? Will I keep trusting that God is good, that God will rescue, even in face of great opposition? When the world cries out, what you're trusting in is a lie, when we feel like throwing it all in, when the things of the world overcrowd our view of God, when we are pressed to think That what the world offers is more important than God. Well, I remember the story of Daniel 6. Let's finish. See, the end here, here's the question and we've got to end with, what will you do with the living God? Because there's a pretty rough ending. You see the lions are... Ravenous, verse 24, at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in, thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. Before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. This isn't easy to stomach, but it goes to serve a reminder that God's judgment is real and is reserved for all of humanity, those who set themselves up against God It's not here so that we would cheer for their destruction, but it's here rather for us to heed the warning. It should leave us so deeply grateful that God's wrath has been averted by the death of the Lord Jesus. What will you do with the living God? Continue to trust him, rely on him this week through every circumstance, or are you tempted to throw in the towel and in effect face his righteous judgment? Daniel prospered for over 70 years. Look at that at the end of verse 28 after Darius makes such a statement about trusting in Daniel's God. Prospers for over 30, 70 years. Would we continue to do the same in Bister, Buckingham, Brackley, as we remember God's plan through God's man, the story of Daniel, pointing us to the greater story of rescue in Jesus. To be known as someone who just keeps going, trusting in God for salvation and being obedient in faithfulness. That's surely our prayer. Let's pray now.